the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Watch this. While on the cross... Jesus Christ was treated by God the Father as if he were guilty of all the sins ever committed by everyone in the world, past, present, and future. That is precisely what Paul is saying here. Though Jesus never committed any sin, he was sinless. God judged him. God punished him. God poured out his wrath on on him for every sin that has been or will ever be committed. That is the heart of the gospel. Jesus was our substitute. That is really a truth, quite frankly, that is beyond total comprehension. Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, takes a few liberties with the gospel accounts of the crucifixion. But it does paint a very graphic and emotionally wrenching picture of the physical suffering Jesus endured at the hands of his executioners. But nothing could show how he suffered when he took the blame for our sins and the Father turned away from him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, he cried. Not Father, Father, but my God, my God. He was completely rejected, not because of any wrongdoing of his own, but because of our rebellion. And he did so completely voluntarily. He was not murdered. It was not a tragedy. It was his plan from before time began to be our sacrifice. Only he had the infinite resources to pay for our sins, and only he had no sins of his own to pay for. Hello and welcome. This is Verse by Verse, and Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher every weekday for these radio Bible classes. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are studying in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about what the Apostle Paul termed our ministry of reconciliation. Paul said that because of this assignment given to us by the Lord, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Him to the world around us and share the good news that God has made a way for sinful people, and we're all sinners, to be reconciled to God. So open your Bible, if you can, to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Pastor Steve will begin today with one of the most important verses in the Bible. So there is the content, the general contents of the gospel, but then we call people to embrace Christ. We tell people how to be saved, and then we call them to trust Christ for salvation. Now, this is, this is where we left off last week, but Paul has one more incredibly important thing to tell us about the message of reconciliation. Without this, without verse 21, as I told you, there is no gospel. He closes the chapter, verse 21, by telling us the cornerstone or the basis or the reason for reconciliation. What I'm saying is up to this point, Paul has just told us the ministry and the message of reconciliation in broad general terms. He really hasn't explained it. He has not told us how reconciliation works. 
but now he's going to. And that's what verse 21 is about. It's content, it's call, now it's cornerstone, it's basis, it's foundation. Let's read verse 21 again. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Having just stated that he was an ambassador for Christ, Paul appealed to people to be reconciled to God. Now the apostle explains what that appeal is based on. It's one thing to appeal to people, but based on what? you got to explain things to them. In other words, he tells us how reconciliation is even possible, what God has done to make it possible. In the Greek language, verse 21 is merely 15 Greek words. That's all it is. But these 15 Greek words sum up the gospel message by focusing on the substitutionary work of Christ on the cross, how he died in our place. You cannot, cannot become a Christian without understanding verse 21. This is the heart of the heart of the heart of the gospel. This is its core. So with these 15 words, Paul gives us, and if you're taking notes, this is where we're going this morning, two foundational truths about reconciliation to God. If you understand this and come to Christ in repentance and faith, you will be saved for all of eternity. What the the ancient Greeks thought is nonsense, what the Jewish people of Christ's day stumbled over, you're going to hear this morning. This is what God says his foolishness and his weakness, which is really his wisdom and his strength. Number one, the first foundational truth about reconciliation to God is this. Though Christ was sinless, God treated him as a sinner. Talking about the cross. Though Christ was sinless, God treated him as a sinner. In verse 21, Paul begins, interestingly enough, not by telling us first about the death of Christ. He first tells us a critically important truth about the life of Christ, which has direct bearing upon his death and upon our reconciliation to God. He begins by saying, he, meaning God the Father, made him, meaning Jesus Christ, he made him who knew no sin. Now let's stop there and think about this. By this phrase, Paul simply means that Jesus Christ was not a sinner not a sinner at all. He knew no sin in the sense that though he certainly knew about sin, yet he never had any experiential knowledge of sin. He never experienced it. He could forgive sin. He could rebuke sin. He could expose sin, but he was incapable of sinning. This is what theologians call the impeccability of Christ. He he did not have the capacity to sin. Though fully man. He was a man without sin. He did not have a sin nature. As a man, we might add, he experienced the effects of of sin. He, He could get tired and did get tired like any one of us. He had a need to sleep like every one of us. He, uh, he experienced hunger and thirst like every one of us. Those are all effects of the fall, but he never ever sinned never committed a sin. He was sinless in internal motives. He never had an improper motive in his life, never had an improper thought of heart, as well as external behaviors and actions. He he never did this. He never had anything that was sinful. Let me put it this way. I just, I just thought about this recently, that uh, he is the only one who never needed to be spanked as a child by his mother. And we think about the infant, the baby Jesus coming into the world, never needed to be spanked. Let me put it this way. If Mary or Joseph ever spanked 
Jesus because of what they thought he did wrong. They were wrong. They sinned by doing that. Perfect, perfect child, perfect adult. Now, I want you to know that the truth of Christ's sinlessness is, is not simply an abstract theological truth that we just throw around. It is absolutely a critical aspect to being reconciled to God because it is Christ's sinlessness that qualifies him to pay for your sins. If Jesus had any sin of his own, even one, then he would have to die for his own sin. He would never be fit to pay for your sins because he'd have to pay for his own. The wages of sin is what? It's death. Not simply physical death, though that's part of it, but spiritual death and eternal death, which the Bible calls hell. Jesus Christ was sinless. Sinless. He never had to pay for his own sin because he never sinned. And and, and let's put it in, in a biblical perspective. Every animal sacrifice under the old covenant system had to be free from any physical blemish. You should know that. In in the Old Testament era, for a Jewish person to come to the temple and bring, let's say, a lamb with a broken a broken leg, that was unacceptable. That was that was not what God said. It had to be free. All sacrifices had to be free from physical defects, physical blemishes. So under the new covenant today. The Lord Jesus Christ, as our sacrifice, also had to be free from any moral blemish. And he was. In fact, Peter refers to him in his first letter as a lamb unblemished and spotless. This is why the New Testament writers, and you may have not picked up on this or thought much about it, this is why the New Testament writers go to great length to emphasize that Jesus Christ was free from any sin. For example, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the writer says that he is one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So every category of temptation that you and I face, Jesus faced, yet without sin. Never had sin. First Peter 2.22 says that he, speaking of Christ, who committed no sin, nor was there deceitfulness found in him. 1 John 3.5 says, and in him there was no sin. Now, Peter and John lived with Jesus for three years. They ate with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. Certainly, they would have picked up sin in his life in all those three years. But they said, we've, we've observed him. We've, our, our hands have touched. We've been with him. We've eaten with him. We've observed him. And we find no sin in him. The writer to the Hebrews, once again in Hebrews 7.26, says this, For it was fitting for us to have such a high uh, priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That just sums it up. That's the way Jesus is. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners. He's not a sinner. Now, all the uh, of these verses tell us that when God became a man, he became a sinless man. A man who perfectly obeyed the law of God, both in internal attitudes and external behavior. And his perfect life was so obvious, not only to his followers, but to others who didn't even follow him, that uh, the Bible records that, that others who, who observed him, they had to admit that there was no sin in him. Pontius Pilate three times, his human judge three times said in Luke 23, I find no guilt in this man. One of the thieves on the cross who who did come to believe in Jesus, but even before that, he said this. He said, uh, one of the thieves on the cross next to Christ said, this man has done nothing wrong. 
And one of the Roman centurions who observed the crucifixion, he said, certainly this man was innocent. And Jesus himself was very conscious of his, of his own sinlessness. He said in John chapter 8, which of you convicts me of sin? It's a great question. None of us could ever say that and, and get away with that. But Jesus could because he was innocent. Now, as we go back in our minds to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read a most remarkable thing that the sinless Son of God, we're told he was made to be sin on our behalf. Paul tells us that God, as I told you, meaning God the Father, made Jesus Christ to be sin for us. He writes, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. There, in my judgment, there is no more striking or stupendous truth that has ever been uttered in Scripture. All week as I was studying this, I, I just felt like I was on such holy ground that uh, I have to tell you, I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't think I, I have words that can express this adequately. I, I, I fail because this is so deep. This is so profound. This is so moving. This is so stu- stupendous. These words express the the heart of all that we believe because they reveal, as I said, the substitutionary work of Christ. You must understand this to be a Christian. Now, what exactly does Paul mean when he says that God made Christ to be sin for us? First, let me explain what he does not mean. He doesn't mean that on the cross, God made Christ a sinner. Doesn't mean that at all. Or that in any way, Jesus became a sinner. Jesus has always been holy. Always been holy. He was and he will always be the perfectly holy one. On the cross, he remained as holy as ever. However, Paul's point is this. So we've eliminated. He does not mean that in any way he became a sinner. What Paul does mean, though, is that though Jesus was holy and completely sinless, watch this, While on the cross, God the Father treated Christ as if he were a sinner. Treated him as if he were a sinner, and it gets deeper. It gets deeper. Because that doesn't even adequately express all that Paul meant. Because Paul doesn't mean that Jesus was treated as just any sinner. Watch this. While on the cross, Jesus Christ was treated by God the Father as if he were guilty of all the sins ever committed by everyone in the world. Past, present, and future. That is precisely what Paul is saying here. Though Jesus never committed any sin, he was sinless. God judged him. God punished him. God poured out his wrath on on him for every sin that has been or will ever be committed. That is is the heart of the gospel. Jesus was our substitute. That, that That is really a truth, quite frankly, that is beyond total comprehension. Jesus was the just one dying in place of all the unjust ones. He experienced the torment of eternal separation from God the Father that you and I should have experienced. And it wasn't simply the physical death. You know, there were many Jewish men crucified in first century Israel by by the Romans. That that was hideous in and of itself, but that wasn't the the, the heart of, of the substitutionary work of Christ. It was that while on the cross, God the Father, who is perfectly holy, looked at his son and and turned his back from his son, abandoned him, deserted him, because that's the way God treats sinners. God is so holy that sin must be paid for. He cannot fellowship with us as long as sin is on our record. 
It's the eternal separation from God the Father that, that we should have experienced. And though Christ willingly went to the cross out of obedience to the Father, as well as out of love for us, yet we need to understand something of the literal hell that Jesus experienced. Jesus did experience hell. That's what hell is. Hell is eternal punishment for our sins. And Jesus, being the eternal God-man, experienced eternal hell for us. That's why the writer to the Hebrews says he tasted death for every man. Now, someone has tried to put into perspective the agony of Christ dying for mankind's sins with these words. And I want you to listen closely because it's too easy to say, oh, yes, he died for our sins and not to consider what the spotless son of God went through, what sins we're talking about. When Jesus, the writer says, as I quote, was was hanging on the cross, he was being punished for, and I quote, arrogant Assyrians gloating over the captives they skinned alive. Nazi troops, machine-gunning women and children who ran from the burning synagogue with clothes ablaze, child molesters making sure their victims would never testify against them, pharaohs sacrificing thousands of faceless laborers to build themselves a deifying tomb. Jesus took on all this and more. It all fell on him with unspeakable violence. He was tossed about in the endless storm of enraged fathers uh, beating toddlers to death. Pimps seducing teen runaways into lives of drugs and prostitution. Canaanites burning their children to Moloch. Nice church ladies cannibalizing other nice church ladies over coffee. Grand inquisitors piously binding conscience to the rack and demanding right doctrine at the stake. Impoverished parents in China selling their daughters into slavery. Bible-believing elders praying long and loud while their wives sit in the back pews hoping heavy makeup covers their bruises. On and on it goes, a storm of titanic currents raging between heaven and earth, two irreconcilable moral fronts colliding at full strength in the dark. Jesus tumbles alone amid embezzlers, gangsters, bullies, rapists, liars, the indifferent, the sadistic, the self-righteous. It is a scene of unbearable horror and unspeakable madness. Jesus uh, writhes in, in pain amid this suffocating cloud of witnesses. He is the accused for them all, bearing the weight of abused children scarred for life, families destroyed by adultery or apathy, civilizations decaying, wars ravaging, victims, victims, always victims crying out. They are numberless and their anguish voices all focus on this one man tumbling in the storm, exposed, vulnerable to it all, wasted lives, heartache, mo- monstrous atrocity, petty transgression. Humanity dumps its wreckage on this one spot. Ends of quote. What a, what a powerful statement. But that's what the cross is about. That's what it's about. When Jesus died, God the Father treated him as if he had committed all of these atrocities and many more. All of our petty daily sins of our, of our existence. And why? Why? Because the only way God's justice could ever be satisfied so that we could be reconciled to him was to have someone pay for our sins. There is no other way to him. God is holy. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. There is no other way. Sin has to be dealt with. Only he's qualified to deal with it. Sin, God's holiness said, demands payment, punishment. Jesus is the only one qualified to be punished for our sins. You see, not only is he he qualified, but you have to understand how he's qualified. Only God 
could pay an eternal price for our sins. Only God. Only God. But God in the form of God as spirit could not die. God as God in terms of his form could not die. But God as man could. That's why Jesus came into the world. To die. He is the God-man hanging on the cross, paying for all the atrocities of humanity. He became man so he could die the most horrific death of all deaths. All the sins of the world just heaped upon him, and he was treated by God the Father as if he was guilty of all of them. No wonder Jesus agonized about the cross. No wonder he, it says of him in Mark 13, 34, Jesus said, my soul is deeply grieved. My soul is in sorrow. He said it's deeply grieved to the point of of death. He, He said, I'm so heartbroken over what I know is about to happen. I could die right now. Could die of a broken heart. This is why scripture says in Isaiah 53, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Knowing that the cross was just hours away, Jesus was in deep sorrow, in deep anguish, not over, as I said, the, the physical torment of crucifixion alone, although I'm sure that entered into it, but because he knew that he was about to drink the full cup of divine, of, of the divine wrath of God, wrath against sin. And think about it this way. Jesus Christ never had a beginning. I mean, he was born in Bethlehem as a man, but Jesus Christ always is. He is the great I am. He is the creator. For all of eternity, for all of eternity, Jesus experiences the second person of the Trinity, experienced perfect fellowship with God the Father as well as with God the Holy Spirit. But there was never a moment in which they were out of fellowship. And yet Jesus knew that in just a few hours while hanging on the cross, God would turn his back on him for the first and only time in all of eternity. And that's why Jesus cried out just before he died. It's really a rhetorical question. It is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't call God his father at that point because he was bearing our sins. He was treated as a sinner. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know what the answer to that is? It's because that's the way God treats sinners. God had abandoned him because that's how God treats sinners. Jesus was being treated as a sinner, separated, forsaken, abandoned, deserted, rejected by the Father. And and why? Why? So that you and I would never be abandoned, rejected, deserted by the Father. Never forsaken. Christ took the full impact of the divine wrath for you and in your place, and he experienced hell for you. Folks, this is the basis, the cornerstone, the logic of the cross. That's, that's what it's about. That's exactly what it's about, and that's all that it's about. Though Christ was sinless, God treated him as a sinner. That is part of what makes 2 Corinthians 5.21 one of the most important verses in the Bible. Pastor Steve will have the other part, the flip side of the coin, so to speak, when we come back with the next verse-by-verse. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Thanks for tuning in today. Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where Pastor Steve Kreloff serves as the teaching pastor. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday and looking for a church, Pastor Steve would enjoy meeting you. For more information, call the church at 727-727. 239-0306 
or go online to lakesidechapel.com. And if you live in the area and you're looking for a school that offers a caring Christian environment for kids from elementary through high school, visit lakesidechristianschool.org. Lakeside Christian School is accredited by the Association of Christian Schools International. That's lakesidechristianschool.org. When Peter asked Jesus in Matthew 18 about forgiveness, Jesus replied with a parable. He compared God's forgiveness to that of a king who forgave one of his servants who owed 10,000 talents. One talent in those days was worth about 15 years' wages for laborers. So if you do the arithmetic, this slave owned the king 150,000 years' worth of labor. Jesus didn't tell us how the slave managed to run up a debt like that, but he did tell us that the slave promised to pay it off if the king would be patient. What a vivid picture of a sinner trying to pay for his or her sins. In fact, what that slave owed to his king is a pittance compared to what we owe God because of our sin. No matter what we gave, no matter how long we suffered, we would never put the slightest dent in that sin debt. Yet Jesus paid it in full on the cross. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, and having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I'm Jerry Peterson. Join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff concludes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.